My guest today on Mission Impact is Sharon Anderson. Sharon and I talk about how advocacy permeates many of the aspects of nonprofit organizations and management, the legislative process, and why nonprofits have a lot to offer in the arena of public policy. We also explore what is and is not lobbying and why many boards are afraid of the work and how the rules for lo lobbying vary by state. So it's important to find out what your rules are in your area. As the CEO of Anderson and Associates, Sharon strengthens teams and organizations through personalized governance training, advocacy training, meeting facilitation, and project management. Mission Impact is a podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. So welcome, Sharon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I'd like to start out with a question of what you what drew you to the work you do? What motivates you and, and what would you describe as your why? Okay. I I would actually say the roots of it really go back to um, my growing up, actually, because I saw with my parents, my family, um, a lot of engagement with community service. And that just resonated with me that through whatever form of non-governmental organization, the nonprofit space, the ways that people found to address needs. And I just grew up with the sense of how important that was. And then having some opportunities to serve on some nonprofit boards and to see it in, in that regard. But I think as far as really the motivator around my consulting with nonprofits came from from a project that I worked on for capacity building. And this was one of my first projects uh, when I started as a consultant. And I just saw that need and that space of, you know, different nonprofits with really good intentions, but needing support, needing the information to help them take it up to the next level. Yeah. And one of the areas you focus on is helping organizations with their advocacy and policy development. Um, Starting with a definition, what, what would you describe? How would you describe advocacy? My conversation opener with advocacy is telling your story and finding a way to make certain that you are clear about what it is that as an organization, what is the organization about? What do you do? Who are you trying to help? Um, what kinds of things are you doing to make for those, you know, make improvements? So that for me is the, the why. I, I, and going back to something I mentioned sort of earlier, you know, just in looking at, at nonprofit, I saw sometimes that there were a lot of nonprofit boards in particular that when you said advocacy to them, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, no, I can't. I can't do that. And so that's what I wanted to address, the importance of it, not only to their sustainability, but also the fact that, you know, yes, there are rules and you can meet those rules and still do what you need to do in this space of action. So let's start with the why it's important. And then I'm curious for you to say a little bit more about kind of why you think it's so scary to folks and then what the reality is. Okay. Um, the reason that I... Um, think it's important is the fact that when you really sort of look at it and sort of put a nonprofit under the microscope, almost everything that they do is in that sphere of advocacy. There's uh, raising money, 
You need to be able to advocate for yourself in order to indicate this is why we are a good investment because this is what we do and here are the people that we reach. You are looking at issues around sustainability. You need to be able to advocate for your organization in order to get board members, potential board members in the pipeline to get, you know, community supporters in the pipeline. And I think more and more now, there's a reality too, that in that public policy space, there is a place for nonprofits to be able to come to the table and say, this is an important area. So for instance, I'll, as a quick example, um, I worked in a couple of areas with a nonprofit dealing with the foster care system and being able at one point to go before the city council to talk about foster care in the city, what was working, what was needed. And, and I think sometimes that kind of gets missed that in that legislative space, which is nonpartisan, what you're addressing are the the guts of legislation and why certain legislation is important and what's needed in order for the system to function. Yeah, and I think it's important for organizations to remember that in that whole public policy and that policy development process, there's often kind of that that initial kind of steps where legislators are hearing from a lot of people, doing hearings, getting testimony, and they may not have even, I don't, I'm, I'm not an expert in this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but they may not have even put a bill forward yet uh, that may be in the formation phase, or maybe they have, and, and it's to inform, you know, what else, what might be missing, what needs to be amended, that kind of thing. Correct, yes. You know, and, and at various stages, yes. In some instances, they are looking at legislation. Sometimes within, especially, I would say, the local and state government sphere, a lot of times when they are doing budget oversight, because a lot of these nonprofits are working with governmental agencies, the question becomes, how are things working? What's working well with that? What's not working, you know, in order to make any necessary adjustments or changes to the system. And that's a good space for them to be because of the fact that, you know, government a lot of times basically needs those kind of partnerships with nonprofits to help. Um, when I mentioned the foster care system, for instance, uh, working with court-appointed special advocates, well, it's a nonprofit that brings in the volunteers and trains them, and then they work with the, the family court system. And so there is a need to have those conversation lanes open in order to do to make the necessary improvements in order to share here's here are the trends so that adjustments can be made or you know what what needs to happen to stop what's going on here. How do we protect the children? That kind yeah, of yeah. And I think you know there, there are a couple of different things in there, but one one thing that comes to mind is um, with all the you know growing distrust of government in our country. One of the things I think people don't realize is how it's actually nonprofit organizations that are actually getting being granted money, being contracted with to deliver a lot of these services. So it's not necessarily government doing it themselves, but empower, you know, giving others the resources to then, you know, fulfill those um, goals and, and, and provide those services. Yes. What, what would you say um, are some of the misconceptions, especially among boards that that folks have around, you know, what nonprofits are and aren't allowed to do in terms of advocacy? I think a lot of times there's a concern because of the discussion around, especially with a 501c3 designation of not lobbying. 
And so it's that confusion between what is lobbying and what is that. And, and sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't even want to, you know, touch it. And, and it is daunting. Um, and, and a lot of times too, especially within state governments, sometimes there are additional rules or, or requirements, but I think it's being clear about what is it that this particular agency needs to do. And, and I think there are also some very clear points where you can say, okay, first and foremost, you don't endorse. You just have to clearly, you, can't, you don't endorse candidates. That is a definite no-no. So stay out of that realm. However, if as a nonprofit and maybe in partnership with other nonprofits, you want to put together a candidates forum so that your stakeholders and the community can hear what people feel about, um, you know, income support programs or about foster care. I keep sort of circling back to that one, or about these literacy programs, then basically there's a way to do that. You invite all of the candidates and you make certain that they all come and they all answer the same question. And that's a service. That's a part of advocacy, but it's a service to educate your stakeholders. And what is the definition of lobbying? Lobbying is basically getting into the partisan space. So it's also, it's about the the people running for office and saying we do or don't vote for them, you know, do or don't vote for somebody. So that is some uh, part of it. And then the other part of lobbying can also be around and it's a it's a tricky area and I will it, it really depends on local guidance a lot of times, but it's around legislation and the extent to which you try to make certain that people are informed about legislation and where the, the particular nonprofit stands on it um, without necessarily saying, now, you know, go out there and um, change this legislation or, you know, it, it, it is a tricky navigation. And a lot of times it does depend on the state too. So I'm, I'm thinking, for example, um, you know, being able to say that this as an organization we support back in when the Affordable Care Act was, was being challenged you know, to be able to say the Affordable Care Act is important because of these reasons for our, our community. And it's in essence saying, think about this congressperson, you know, council member versus, and, and putting forth that debate without getting deep into the politics of, and if you don't do this, then we're not going to vote for you that kind of. Yeah, the way I've heard it described is, and, and it's interesting that you say that there's, there's um, you know, variation in, in each state and, and locality. So um, putting a caveat on that, that folks should, you know, really pay attention to what the rules are in their local area. But the way I heard it described was, you know, advocacy, education, you know, when you're providing mm -hmm. information stories about your constituents and, and the people that you work with, um, statistics, trends that you're seeing, that's all in the realm of education. And then lobbying is only really when you say, you know, our members, we're, we're getting part, we're part of a coalition and our members are supporting, you know, this particular bill, we urge you to vote for it. Right. Um, and, and yeah, without any kind of connection to, um, you know, whether or not the people that you represent, the people that you work with might or might not 
vote for a particular candidate, that being walled off. But the space that that is okay within limits for nonprofits, even 501c3s to engage in is that piece of, you know, we urge you to vote for HR number one, whatever it is, Um, you know, within limits and their limits. But but since it's a pretty narrow definition, very few nonprofits are going to, you know, very few who do do some advocacy and are actually going to run up against that limit. And I think that's the part that boards don't understand. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, one because, of the parts, maybe. Right, right. And, and, and of course, too, the whole, when you look at the range of 501 organizations, you know, we always focus on the 501c3s because of the fact that they are generally tend to be charitable. And then, but realizing that there are other nonprofits who, who are in a in that space of doing endorsements and the like. So this is why I think it also gets to be tricky for boards because they need to understand the range of things, uh, the, the different options that are available to a nonprofit and then just be sure to stay within their space. But I, I definitely agree and appreciate the when you mentioned the education piece, the educating people, and that's your stakeholders, elected officials about what's going on in this space that this nonprofit serves, then you're definitely in a, in, a, in your lane. That's the sweet spot for nonprofits advocacy. Yeah, and I think that another point that you make is that, you know, we, we quote the part of the IRS code, the 501c3, uh, that, that des- designates one particular type, which is, you know, a large portion of the of the nonprofit sector, but there are others, C4, C5, C6, you know, yes. all who all of which have different purposes and and um, then different rules. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what we were just talking about really pertains to the C3 category, which is most organizations that are trying to do either serving a field or, or trying to do some educational, some, you know, charitable service work, making things better for yeah. people, animals, yes. climate. <laughs> the all whole range, that. all of it, the whole range of, of things that could be within a mission. What, what would you say helps uh, organizations be successful with their advocacy efforts? I think being really clear about um, what is their advocacy policy and their plan. I think having some very, doing that kind of work. And, um, you know, as you know, with the Standards for Excellence, for instance, program, there's resources there as far as being able to talk about um, here's a draft plan, but you need to be clear. So from an organizational perspective, who speaks for the organization? So making certain that they've clearly delineated that if a question comes in, let's say the media calls and says, where do you stand on this? Well, everybody in the organization needs to know who's equipped to answer that question because not everybody in the organization can answer that. Um, so, so you want to be clear about that and also be clear about what the objectives are. So you know, for, um, let me pick another organization like the League of Women Voters. You know, there's the League US and then the League um, in various localities. And so in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a member of the League in the District (laughs) of Columbia. And, you know, there's a strong nonpartisan statement there, but 
the the educational piece is about making certain that people know about the candidates and that there's an effort made to get feedback from all of the candidates. So in an election year, there's the policy is going to be, you know, we're doing everything we can to make certain that people understand what the rules and regulations are for voting in our community. Um, during an off year, it may be some other thing, but that's the policy. And then you just have to be able to have what the plan looks like as to how how do you go about doing that? How do you accomplish that? And and how do you, what are the outcomes you're targeting? Yeah, one, one point that you made around, um, you know, who can who can talk to the media, having a plan for that. Yeah, a couple points there with, you know, who can talk to the media or who can talk, who can represent and, and, and speak on behalf of the organization. And uh, especially if, if a stance is being taken, who could write a letter to the editor. All those things I think are really important uh, for groups to have conversations about and know, make sure that everyone's clear. Um, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, on any board decision is important is for me board members to understand that they can only work on behalf of the organization as a whole. Um, and so if they're the board member who's empowered, they then need to have, you know, need to have talked to everybody else so they have a sense of uh, they know what the organization's stance is. They themselves may have a different opinion. Um, right. And to be really careful and clear, are you talking as XYZ individual citizen, or are you speaking now on behalf of the organization? Right. Right. And depending on the nature of that organization, you know, there there may be some very specific pieces of, you know, what that looks like and how that's interpreted. So, you know, the, the League of Women Voters, I'll go back to that, you know, with their nonpartisan position, if you're serving on the board, there is a, a nonpartisan statement, which indicates that you know you have this hat on representing the organization writ large and in the interest of not muddying the waters it's encouraged that you stay in that lane and not get involved in campaigns for um of course you know as an individual that's your right but because you are with the board and and people if they know especially that you're a board member it gets a little dicey and in order to just make it clear that policy is you, you wouldn't be campaigning. So you you could, after you're done with your board service, that might be something you choose to do. But while you're right. a board member, they've made that policy just so that they have a super bright line. Um, yes. And again, that's an individual organizational policy. Others might be have different ones, but having those policies and having had discussions and then documenting it about, yeah, how do, how do we take a stance as an organization? What are the what has to happen, you know, what mm -hmm. kind of discussions and um, processes have to happen so that we know that we're in agreement on this, et cetera, I think would be super important. Yes, yes. And you had mentioned the standards of excellence uh, before. I just want to make sure folks know what that is. Um, it's a, a program that that came out of and is, is still housed within the Maryland Nonprofit Association, the Maryland Association of Nonprofit Organizations. And it's a way for um, nonprofits to be accredited in this set of very high standards, the standards of excellence in all aspects of their operations. So, you know, advocacy is just one component um, and all the other things that 
that you need to think about in terms of how you run your nonprofit are, are part of that accrediting program. Yes, and, and one of the things that I truly appreciate about um, the Standards for Excellence program is that there is that accreditation process if, if an organization so chooses, but they are very generous with their information. So I often use in um, the work that I do when I do workshops on advocacy, um, their policy and plan, I, I provide copies of that to say, here's a sample that you might work from just because they are open with a lot of their information. Yeah, and they have samples for all, all other aspects. So I've, I've built, uh, used um, pieces from, and we're both uh, standards of excellence consultants, so we have access to all of this, but I've used, um, you know, their board assessments as a jumping off point when working mm -hmm. with boards and organizational assessments, they, they pretty much have everything. And, and even if an organization doesn't decide to go through the entire process, there are aspects that could be really useful. And a lot of the state level associations um, also offer it. So you don't necessarily have to be in Maryland. This is a nationwide. Oh, yes, yes, it is a nationwide program. And they have what's a code, which basically provides, you know, guidelines, high level. And the code is, is easily, it's even an app. There's an app for that. So, you know. I didn't realize that. I'm going to have to look it up. We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. All right. Well, at the end of each episode, I like to play a game where I ask one random icebreaker question. Uh, so I have one here for you um, out of my handy box of icebreaker questions. And it is, what is the last random thing that made you smile? <laughs> Lately, given everything that's been going on, um, you know, with health challenges in the country and in the rural. Um, the last random thing that made me smile was noticing that birds were starting to be attracted to the flowers on my patio and, and starting to kind of, you know, I've seen them in the general vicinity flying over, but actually coming down and landing on the table versus just sitting on the fence. And I, it just, actually that just happened to me before for this call, in fact, I just was like, oh, wow. And I just was so tickled by that. So it gave me joy. Awesome. Awesome. I'm not much of a birder, but we we have a big, uh, we have a lot of flowers around in our front. And there was a, a cardinal that came by and landed in a tree. So that was the dramatic red was quite, yes. quite lovely. Yeah. Made me they smile are as lovely well. birds. Yes. Yeah. So what are you excited about? What's what's up next for you? What's kind of emerging in the work that you do? I'm, I'm currently um, making some pivots as far as being, if you will, in the nonprofit space, but I'm uh, starting to work with the uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture. And uh, I've worked with them previously, but I'm now um, working as far as with visitor services. And it's just um, 
first and foremost, I, I am just taken by the museum and all that it's done and, and just the immense scope and importance of it. And to have an opportunity to contribute means a lot to me. So um, for me right now, personally, that's that's where I am. That's Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing museum. Um, I am definitely due to go back to it because you can, it's not possible to do all, to really take all of it in in one visit. So I definitely need to go back. And, and I just, um, you know, I, I guess I should tread gently here, but I think it's legitimate as an employee, I could still say, um, but, you know, wonderful resources on their website too, because, um, and, and a huge, I, I am biased in the museum space, but the Smithsonian has been doing a wonderful job with all of its museums and digitizing a lot of their information. And definitely during the pandemic, you know, making that those resources available as a way to reach everyone and, um, definitely check them out because they're just amazing museums within the system. Yeah, I think we forget uh, living here in Washington, how spoiled we are to have those amazing resources uh, so so close by. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great having you on the podcast. Well, thank you. I, I greatly appreciate being invited and I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. All right. I appreciated Sharon's perspective and why it's so important for organizational leaders to have conversations about who's empowered to speak on behalf of the organization. It's way better to have had that conversation ahead of time and not when the press is calling for a perspective on an issue or when you're being invited to testify. Many boards are afraid of the word advocacy and especially lobbying. Many believe that nonprofits are not allowed to lobby. 501c3 organizations in the United States can educate lawmakers and the public about their issues. Organizations can do a lot in the realm of advocacy without engaging in lobbying. You can testify, you can write letters to the editor about your issue, you can meet with decision makers and provide them with background and context on the issue where you work on. You can give them real life examples from your work. Lobbying has a pretty narrow definition. It means stating your organization's support for a particular bill before the legislature and urging a lawmaker to vote in a particular way. One area that organizations definitely need to stay away from is anything partisan. That means putting your support behind a particular candidate and endorsing them. If you do have a candidate forum, be, f- be sure to invite all the candidates. The Alliance for Justice, as well as the National Center for Nonprofits, has a lot of information on their websites about these differences and the rules that you need to be mindful of. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with Sharon, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. I would like to thank Nora Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Kuster of 100 Ninjas for her production support. We want to hear from you. Take a minute to give us some feedback or ask a question at missionimpactpodcast.com feedback. Thanks for listening.